right, let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Honey, I'm Home podcast. Today, we're redefining fatherhood by interviewing a dad entrepreneur or dadpreneur, if you want to combine those two words together. So I'm your main man, Irvin. I got uh, the Black Monk on the call, Kamor. What's up, family? What's up? Our our main man from Arizona, uh, Mr. Brian is currently out, making sure the girl's good right now. But But today, our special guest is Mr. Devin Kennedy on the way from Virginia, the land of lovers. (laughs) That's what they say, Virginia is for lovers. I appreciate y'all having me on today. Yep. So, Devin, man, thank you for getting on the call, bro. As you know, man, our podcast is about redefining fatherhood, getting different perspectives (laughs) on what fatherhood looks like. So, I just want to tell everybody this is a real podcast because we are all dealing with our children being at home during COVID 19 right now. So, yep. Kamar got his, he got his two sons in the back of the car. I got my two sons you, with me. You and will hear them at some point. Yes. <laughs> this is about to be a, a fun, a fun podcast. And, uh, Debbie, tell us about how many, how many children you got, man. Tell us about yourself. So, so I pretty much combined y'all two together. I got four in total, two boys and two girls. Um, oldest is 10, the youngest is two, so it's about two and a half to two years and 11 months between each of them. So, uh, good little spread, but right now, just managing virtual school for the three older ones uh, fifth grade, third grade, and kindergarten. And the baby likes to run around the house um, and jump into everybody's class. <laughs> so, that's that's my life right now in terms of fatherhood. With the yeah, that. So that sounds that sounds very interesting. Is that um, I mean, so how how did y'all get to this point? Did y'all plan on having a lot of kids, or you know, just the fun kept happening? But um, yeah, man, what is it like having to have four kids and, and manage all that? Well, well, I'll say it this way. Um, well, first let me say this: all of our children are blessings. Period. Um. And I don't ever want to come up and say anything was an accident because stuff like that get out later on. Kids feel devastated, feel like they weren't wanted, something like that. But um, we did what, what it takes to have a child, right? <laughs> and um, the first one. And it was good. One we had, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but, but we did. Uh, we did pretty much plan a lot of this stuff out. Uh, my wife. She grew up with just her and her her older sister. They were two years apart, and she always wanted a big family, but she wanted five boys. But I grew up in a household with four boys and two girls, and I got two brothers on my dad's side, so I'm one of eight in total. And the oldest and youngest are girls, everybody in between are boys. So when my girlfriend at the time, now wife, said she wanted five boys, I knew immediately that's not what she really wanted. Right? So um, I always wanted three. She wanted five. We ended up falling in between and, and ended up with four and end up with, with two of each. Um, the first one, we just said, all right, we'll, we'll see what happens. We, we definitely wanted to be young when we had our children because we wanted to be able to run around with them, play with them, um, flip Devin, and roll the yeah, how, how, If you can tell the audience, how old are you, bro? I'm 36 now. Just turned 36 in August. That's still young, and brother. We talk about we want to be young. I'm <laughs> saying I didn't, I didn't want to have children have gray hair with a kindergartner. I wanted to, <laughs> I didn't want to be that guy showing up 
and somebody saying, oh, that's your granddad? Like, nah, that, that's, that's my dad. Like, we didn't want that. We wanted to be young enough to really still have a lot of energy to really hang with our children. I got so, you, man. Just hold on real quick, Devin. Hold on real quick, Dev. Hey, public service announcement. If you're a dad and you got gray hair, <laughs> but you got young children, there is nothing That's, wrong with that. That's what I'm saying. About redefining fatherhood as an old Absolutely. Anyway. I was about to say, because I'm like, I've got gray hair and I'm 32. So what you trying to say, man? What's up? Hey, man, you got a lot of wisdom <laughs> real early in life. That's all. No, I, I won't try to attack anybody. This is our opinion and, and how we looked at it. So we, we definitely wanted to be in that in that age where we could play around and really have fun with the kids without making it too much of a of a stretch or a pull. I know at this yeah, age, 35, 36, man, I used to like three years ago I could jump on the trampoline for hours with the kids. Now I go on the trampoline after like 10 minutes, I'm like, I need it. I need to go sit down. <laughs> so it is. It, it That's real talk. That we take for granted these thirty-year-old needs sometimes, man. So yeah. you know, as as someone that's you know pursuing entrepreneurship myself, it's it's interesting the balance between being a father, a husband, and also a working father as an entrepreneur. Seeing that we took the, the opportunity to leave conventional um, work, the work environment, what, at what point did you start your entrepreneurship? Did it happen before the kids or did that happen while you had the kids and also before COVID? Before or after gotcha. you know, COVID? Good questions. Um, and, and the true honesty in terms of answering that question, entrepreneurship started when I was very young. I mean, I, I started my first, I guess you could say hustle, when I was still in sixth grade. And I started selling candy to kids in middle school. Like I would literally, every morning, go and grab two packs of Jolly Ranchers for 66 cents. Right? And then I would sell each one individually for 10 cents. So I'm making $1.20 per pack, and I'm only paying 33 cents per pack. So I'm, I'm making profit, and just I'm slinging candy in the classroom. <laughs> And uh, so that Wait, kind of I'm sorry. Did you just say you're slaying candy? Okay. In the classroom? Is that what we candy. just said? I, I sure That's am. what he said. Wow. <laughs> and I'm hooked so, to that sugar, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's but the I mean, most was, addictive was, drug out there. It's the most hey, addictive drug out there. If I got a captive audience sitting in the classroom and they all got they all got a, a dime in their pocket, they were throwing me the dime for that, that uh, Jolly Rancher. So... You would have got my dime and more. <laughs> so that actually transitioned into my mom pushing on my brothers and I to start an organization called Heritage Link, where we actually did our historical interpretations, uh, reenactments of and teaching about slavery, drumming, um, interpretive uh, drumming and, and storytelling, and the whole nine. So uh, in that realm of theatric and, and performing arts, uh, we kind of built that out. And then we kind of let that shift to the side as I started to pursue my professional career as an engineer. But the most recent endeavors are about three and a half years old now. So my, my restart focusing on STEM education, STEM outreach, and leadership development, diversity, equity, and inclusion training and coaching, those things picked up within the past three and a half years. So post all but one child and also 
post my wife starting out on her own business endeavor as well. So um, when she finished her master's program, I just want to kind of really support her with stepping out on her business. And we just started laying out a timeline where she would get her stuff up and running while I was slowly building my stuff. And once she got hers fully set, then I would step out completely and start to really focus 100% on mine. Um, so pretty much try to work in tandem and want to make okay. sure I take care of her first. And so just Devin, as a kind me, of reference. Oh, go ahead, Kumar. Yeah, just as, just as a kind of reference, just to kind of give our listeners kind of like some time frame, how estimated, how long did you think it took your wife to establish and then get fully running and then for you to establish and then get fully running? What, what kind of time frame did that look like? Uh, well, it, technically speaking, it only took about two years for her business to really get up and running sufficiently but the caveat there is at the two-year mark we relocated from Maryland down to Virginia and we had been in Maryland for over 10 years and so when we moved back down here she had to start pretty pretty much from scratch she had to rebuild everything out she had to reestablish her credentials for the state of Virginia because Maryland doesn't just transfer over to Virginia so she had to re-credential everything it took a little bit of time to get all that stuff set up and then the repanel for different insurances and all that she's supporting and work with. So in total, when you account for the move, it took about four years to get back to where we felt comfortable enough to where I could just outright step out. Gotcha. Now, now okay. Devin, let me ask you this, man, because you you did something that a lot of a lot of men don't do necessarily is you told your wife go first. Right, and you'll go second. So what what drove that decision? What made you do that? Instead of being like, yo, let me get mine going, then you go. Yeah. I mean, I understood my wife's mindset. And I think a lot of people miss that in relationships. And I'm not trying to be a relationship coach at this point in time, but it's it's just simply an awareness of what your wife needs. As a as a husband, the way I look at it, my job is to make sure I'm providing for her. It's not just a house and a home and and safety, but also uh, mental health, um, spiritual health and growth, all those things are essential. And I try to consider all of that. And so for her, I knew if she was able to establish hers without wondering and worrying where our food was coming from, where the next check was coming from and things of that nature, she would be more comfortable as she moved forward. So I just, I held down my position working full time while still doing side things in addition, like moonlighting at, at places like Johns Hopkins and doing little outreach things here and there. But just to make sure she was, she had a stable environment. The only thing that was variable was the growth of her business. And so as she focused on her business, I also focused on her business, making sure that she had what she needed. I, I pulled late hours when she got a new office, I'm in there at 11 o'clock at night through the midnight and I'm painting the walls for her while she's at home and I'm moving, putting things together in our office and hanging things for her and just making sure everything is running as much as possible because I knew what it would take for her to be completely comfortable and just to have that mental, mental stability, mental support and reassurance. And then once I knew she was in a space, I said, all right, cool, now, now it's time. But the entire time through the whole process, I maintained that conversation saying, hey, how is this? How is that? What else do you need help with? All right, I'm getting ready to make a shift. All right, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about making a move? So she was part of the conversation on both her end and my end. So 
that, that's pretty much what kind of went into it and why I put her first in the process. You know, Devin, that's, yo, come on, reach thing, man. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome, bro. Like, it not is, only man. did you, you said your, your success is my success and your success should be first. And not only did you create an environment of stability by, you know, maintaining a full-time job, but you actively helped build, you know, the vision that she was after. Um, so let me ask you this, man. So yeah. how do you balance doing all that as being a dad, though, with four kids, man? What's that like? <laughs> One second, Devin, before you answer that, I also want to affirm and point out that you chose to do it together rather than allow each other. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. And I think that's good key. stuff. There, there has to be unity whenever there's a project that comes to the family, whether it's work, whether it's a trip, everything has to be a, a, a decision for the benefit of the next person, which ultimately benefits the entire family. So that's beautiful, man. I affirm you guys for that. I appreciate that. Um, can you restate your question, Irvin? You said uh, how... How so how do you yeah, how do you balance all that with like four kids, man? You know, because you got, you know, like you said, the oldest is ten, the youngest is two and a half, and so, you know, now your it sounds like your wife business is up and running, it's established, and now you pushing on your own stuff. So you know, how do you manage the time, right? I, I'll admit it's tough, but you don't know what you can do until you get in, into the throes of it. I. I used to be on a schedule where I would, I would be responsible. Actually, I would leave out the house first thing in the morning before the sun even came out and get to the office. So by the time it got to 2 o'clock, 1.30, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, I could up and leave if I needed to. And so while my wife would handle drop-offs in the morning, I would handle pickups in the afternoons. And then I would also be cooking dinner and any other things that ne was necessary for the household and that was just what we had kind of fallen into a rhythm of. And once we moved down here to Virginia, there was a bit of a shift. I actually had a lot more flexibility in my day, but at the same time, while I was still working a, a nine to five, I was traveling a lot. And, but what I would do is I would coordinate two days in the office and, and three days at home. So I would actually leave, I would leave around four o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday and I head up to the DMV area and I would stay there and come back midday. I would leave out of office probably around one, two o'clock Wednesday. And then I would work from home Monday, Thursday, and Friday. And that allowed my wife some, some um, assurance that I was there. I was taking care of the kids and all. And it was just that one night that she had to kind of worry about because the kids were in school or in daycare. And so I tried to minimize that while she was still building her business and growing it. Um, but it definitely is a balance and where we are now with, with two businesses that I'm running, the, the STEM outreach as well as the leadership and diversity, equity, inclusion coaching. It definitely is a lot because it's, it's two different fronts and couple that with virtual learning right now. <laughs> I mean, uh, my schedule, I, I get up at five in the morning. I crank on my stuff until about 7.30 and from 7.30 really until about eight o'clock. I'm really hands down focused on the kids because I got a kindergartner who has to log on and know when to log off and log back on. So I have to kind of be present for him the whole time. The two-year-old wants to get on everybody's class and sit beside them. So I have to make sure she's busy with something else keeping her uh, occupied. The other two are fairly self-sufficient. 
but my wife with her business, she's usually gone until late because she, she has, um, she's a mental health therapist and she shifted her schedule Mondays and Fridays to work in the evenings. So one o'clock through about six o'clock, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I got from top to bottom and accounting for dinner and making sure bath like that. I'm, I'm a stay at home dad in addition to building the business and getting things, getting things running. So I have to be very efficient. I have to know exactly what I'm doing and I can't waste time. Like I, I don't binge watch TV shows. I'm not spending hours on like YouTube or Facebook and things like that. I just don't have time for it. I, I got to stay focused. I can't get caught up in, in things that, that subtract from my efficiency. So Devin, so let me, let me ask this, man. You said, I'm going to ask you two questions, but here's the first part. So how much did COVID-19 like mess up the schedule for you? I wouldn't say mess up though, Urban. I would say okay, how, did, okay. how has it Change adjusted? It. It. How, okay. how has it adjusted your your schedule and how you approach fatherhood, husband, and entrepreneurship? That, thank you, Kamora, for being so elegant and politically correct. But yo, that joint <laughs> messed you up though, man. He had a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> came in, and now he got four kids at home <laughs> versus three little kids would have been in school. It sounds like they're only having one at home. So excuse me for saying you know messed what? up, Black Monk. But you Black Monk excused. came back and made it all elegant. So, Devin, that's the question for you, brother. Go ahead, man. So. <laughs> It, it was, I don't know, it, it's hard to really gauge it because we had a lot of things happen at the same time, right? And some of it was, was a hindering to our process. And some of it was really, all of it, I think, was a blessing, period. But some of it was, like, advantageous for us, and other things were detractors from our progress. So right before COVID hit, my wife and I bought uh, a new building space. And... I was largely doing project management, running the, the renovations of it, like knocking down walls. It was a four, four office medical building. We changed it over to a five office with a conference room and waiting room, things of that nature. So it was definitely a lot of renovation work. Right when COVID hit, we were like three, four weeks in. And so that changed how we were able to get inspections done that drew the timeline out. People were trying to figure out what was going to happen, what was going on. Resources started to dry up because people were looking different directions. Um, our electrician and our plumber and, and the painter, it just changed how we had to interact and engage with them. So we definitely had a, a, a straining of the timeline. And then at the same time, my wife had to shift to 100% virtual with all of her clients. So <laughs> she's working from home. We're keeping the kids at home. I'm trying to still manage things in the office. So it definitely impacted. But at the same time, it impacted everybody. Yeah. So it was that common variable where, okay, we're dealing with this, but so are they. And we couldn't allow ourselves to get caught up in the woe is me. Look at what mess, what happened in my life is, okay, how can we make the best of what we're doing right now? We got to flip this and keep it going. So it gave us a, uh, an extended timeline to, to, post for the office space to, to rent two of their offices out. They gave us more time to chase down additional employees or folks that my wife wanted to hire. Um, they gave us time to really spend with the kids too. I mean, we got, went and bought a bunch of bicycles because we hadn't had bikes in years. So we, 
we, my wife and I, went and bought bicycles to ride around the neighborhood with the kids, uh, getting them trained on really what's expected of them throughout the household. So washing dishes, cutting the grass, all those things that we knew we grew up doing, and just making sure that they were on it. So it definitely was a blessing to be able to spend time with the family, slow down for a moment, just appreciate where we were. And the fact that, I mean, I look from where I, I look at where I came from, she's looking at where she came from, and just generationally, it's a big difference. So we were just so, really celebrating more than anything else. So that's, that's beautiful, man. Um, so the next thing, you know, we looked at how you approached the job, the kids, and how you and your wife make time for each other's business. So what does it look like now? even with that, for you and your wife to have that time together, even with all of that, how do you preserve the marriage, the intimacy, that connection between you and your wife, and juggle all of those things at the same time? That's a good question. Um, and, and, I, and I say this not to boast about anything, but the truth is, with my wife and I, we were best friends before we ever started dating. And we've tried to make sure we maintain that. And as we look at where we are now and how easy it is to get caught up in the day-to-day, -day, just running on business stuff, chasing after different resources and the kids got all kinds of things happening. It's a matter of just taking time. So my mother-in-law will come over and she'll help watch the kids at times. So I actually will use that time and just escape out of the house and I'll make lunch or go get lunch and I'll sit in the office with my wife and her and I'll just eat together. Or we'll just take a date day and it'll be in the middle of the day, the kids are occupied, we'll go and just catch lunch and relax. Or we have dedicated time once the kids are in the bed at 8, 8.30, that's just her and I. And so it's quiet. We might sit on the couch and just chit chat for a little bit. We may, um, I might help her out with something she was trying to struggle with on her work and, and work. Like, hey, can you, can you update this? this uh, Adobe Illustrator file for me so I can submit these. So I'm working with her, but it's just her and I in that moment. And we're just having a conversation. We're discussing the challenges. We're laughing about stuff. She might send me a little video that she came across on Facebook. I might look at that for half a second. But it's just that, those small times that it takes to connect, but also really remembering each other in the moment. So That's right. That's so, right. So Devin, let me, let me ask you this. So, how do you make time for yourself, though, man? Because, you know, as, as important as it is to take care of everybody else, right, <laughs> you got you to gotta make sure you take care of yourself because you show up in all these other roles. So, you know, how what are you doing to, like, maintain yourself, um, and, and how do you fit that in? You know, it's funny, real talk, hey, um, I just disappeared to the bathroom every once in a while. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes it's so simple. It's just, you know what? So, I'm going to go ahead and slide over to the bathroom, close the door, and just sit there quietly. Sometimes I might be... Sometimes you ain't doing nothing. Doing nothing. I'm just exactly. Ain't doing nothing. Black, black yep. Muck sounds like he can relate For to sure. that. <laughs> For sure. For sure. And the kids still knocking on the door, trying to put their uh -huh. fingers under uh -huh. the door. Trying to get in the bathroom. Absolutely. No. No. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you hear Black Buck, you get a hype off of that. That's it. You got to find those times to just kind of escape. 
No, I put my earbuds in and just let them knock away. And I'm listening to Sade. This ain't no ordinary love. Ain't no ordinary love. <laughs> Yo, shout out to Sade. If you listen to this podcast, Black Monk uses you as meditation music. Just want to let you know. This ain't no ordinary love. Hey, but tell you what, Devin, uh, man, this has been a fun interview for myself and Galore. We, we definitely enjoyed it, man. Before, before we get off, man, uh, and that's my daughter in the background. But before we let you go, man, we always like to give out, you know, three to five tips for dads, man. So what would you say, you know, are, are your three tips for dads who are, you know, got the kids and they, and they hustling and they started businesses and they supporting their wife in her own business, but Man, any tips you got? What's, what's your top three tips, bro? Top three tips. Uh, I wish you had told me this beforehand. Let me see. Top three tips. Um, I think the most important thing is there is no definition for a dad. A dad pretty much does it all. Um, so this idea of that society has created for us as what a dad is or what a man is supposed to be and things of that nature, hey, we, a, a, a dad, in my honest opinion, does what's necessary and needed to ensure his wife and family have what they need to be successful. And if that means you washing clothes every day and folding them, hey, get in there and get it done. If it means you out cutting grass every day, get it done. If it means you going into the office space and you just grinding, but it's more than just the task, but it's being present. So I'll probably say the second thing would be being present for those people that are part of your family. Uh, being aware and alert, not just physically in the house, but listening to your wife, talking with your children, and engaging with them, because those, those times imprint on them in such a major way and have a major impact in the decisions that they make moving forward. So Irvin, with his two girls, with, with, the, with, the, with the monk, with his, his two boys, as, as they interact with their dad, that tells them how they should operate or what they should look for in a man in the future. So those are two things. I guess the third thing, um, at least my mantra is just, just don't, don't be idle. I, just, I always keep my hands busy with something that I'm moving forward on, never sitting stagnant, but always trying to strategically position things such that it's always working together for whatever my vision is. So. No, no waste emotion, nothing off the side. Everything I'm doing is supporting my primary goal in some way, shape, or form. Good stuff. Hey, Devin, man, that was that was good three tips. You know, let go, was, let go of the definition, man. It's like the matrix, yo. Let go of let go of the the rules, you know. Absolutely. That's that's good. These roles that people try to combine us in. You know, I'm just gonna recap it, right? Number two, make sure you're being present, right? And number three. You know, make sure that you're, you're interacting with your kids and they, they know who you are, man. Don't be idle. Don't be idle. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. So, ladies and gentlemen, there and you before, have it. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Black Monk. What you got, brother? No. We got a dad entrepreneur here, man. It would be a disservice to not have him tell the people what his business is about. Absolutely. Let's support our Thank black you. businesses, man. Tell us about your business, Devin. Uh, Definitely. Um, I didn't even think about it, actually. But uh, first business is, is called The Stempreneur. That's S-T-E-M, 
S-T-E-M-P-R-E-N-E-U-R, STEMpreneur. The two words, the acronym STEM, merged the back half of the word entrepreneur, so STEMpreneur. Um, take a look at the STEMpreneur.com. Um, I do a lot of educational outreach, working with teachers, doing professional developments, been doing it for years. I um, have over 20 years of experience as an educator and almost 15 years as a professional engineer. But um, all that is where my passion is. And most recently, I partnered with an organization called Museum of Science in Boston. And we work and we deliver basically virtual teaching kits for schools. So package materials that can go directly to a student's house. And then the teachers can facilitate virtual STEM activities with the students. And so we give them professional development trainings, help them understand what's what, and it's pretty much available for coaching as they go through. The second business is called Ayanda Leadership Institute. That one focuses on leadership development undergirded with diversity, equity, and inclusion best practices. And the thing that separates us from everybody else across the industry of DEI, which stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion, is while everyone else talks about the policies and procedures and talks about lessons learned, we focus on coaching you and empowering you on what it looks like and how to apply it specifically to your organization. So we're application driven. We're not just talking about theories and ideas. We're making sure that the rubber meets the road. So yeah, it sounds great, but what does it look like for your organization? What are the challenges that you are facing and you are instrumental in it? So in that way, we're requiring them to be leaders in the change that they want to see within the organization. So that's Ayanda yeah. Leadership Institute. And that can be found at Ayanda, A-Y-A-N-D-A, leadership.com. Ayanda Leadership Institute. That's ayandaleadership.com. Good stuff. Thank you, Devin. All right, Black Monk, anything else you want to say, man, before we, we end this interview? Yes. I am not an actual monk. That's it. <laughs> the dude is a monk, y'all. He's a monk. Uh, but, well, I appreciate y'all having me on. Man. Hey, Devin, nah, man, we yeah. want to thank you for uh, being on the Honey I'm Home podcast. Today, we redefined finally by talking to Mr. Devin Canada uh, about being a dadpreneur. Um, tune in every Monday. This is going to be great because we're dropping it today. This is hot. Hot off the press. But, um, you know, check us out on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, send us an check email. Let us know your comments. Redefiningfatherhood at gmail.com. Also, check us out at redefiningfatherhood.com. Subscribe to us. We'll be sure to be in contact with you as soon as possible. We love you guys. Stay blessed. Stay safe. Peace. Peace.